Habakkuk 2.2 says, The Lord answered me, Write down the vision, write it clearly on clay tablets, so whoever reads it can run to tell others. Let's pray over our time in the Word. Father, we pray uh, that you would help us today, Lord God. Help us as we get in your Word to not only hear it and receive it, but to apply this to our lives and every day. Lord, I know you have a plan and a purpose for each person here. They're not here by accident. Thank you for bringing them here. Do a great work in us and through us today. Help me as I present your word. We bind up all distractions, any plan of the enemy. We cancel it right now and take authority over this service. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we're beginning a two-part mini-series titled Vision. Vision. You know, the scripture says to write the vision down clearly so that people can see it and run with it. (coughs) Excuse me. Our vision here at Family Life Church is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. Uh, we have the vision written down clearly in a few places throughout the church. If you go down the hall right here where the bathrooms are, you'll see the vision written out right really big on the walls. If you come in the lobby here, maybe you don't see this one as, as clearly. If you look up, you will. If you look up on this ta- this big wall going up into the ceiling, there's four big old different colorful panels with our vision written across it. If you walk out back to the children's department building, right by the bookstore, you'll see the vision written out on the wall over the steps. If you've ever been to our next steps room, you'll see the vision on the wall there. And if you pull up our church app, you will see it on the banner on the top. To know God, live free find your purpose, and to make a difference. Why do we have it in writing all over? So you can do what this verse says to do. So you can read it clearly and so you can run with it. We don't only want you to run with it so you be easily be able to know what it is, repeat it, and tell others. But the most important thing, the reason we continue to write the vision and talk about the vision is so you can live it out. Y'all with me this morning? So you can live it out. We want to just, you know, we want to continue to let you know what our purpose and and the strategy here is at Family Life Church. Our vision is a biblical vision that we find straight out of Ephesians chapter 1. So in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19, I'll show you exactly where we get this. It says this, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. All four parts of our vision come from these few verses. So this shows you first and foremost that it's not just, it's not our vision, but it's God's vision. It's actually God's four part journey that he wants everybody to be on. And we see it here. Paul was praying that the church would experience fullness of life through this four-step journey. So so let's look at all four of these a little closer. I'm going to just kind of give you an overview of the vision again. And then today, I'm gonna we're going to break down know God and live free. And then next week, I'll break down uh, finding your purpose and making a difference. So Ephesians 1.17, let's read in the Amplified. It says this. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. Obviously, this is the first part, know God. 
Did you notice that it's a deep and personal and intimate knowledge of God? Did you notice that? You know, you can talk back, yeah. Did you notice that? Yes? No? Okay. Making sure y'all are awake. Hey, think about this. I'm sure everybody in here, I'm pretty sure everybody in here, even if you're not a sports fan, does everybody in this building know who Drew Brees is? Right? Okay, yeah. Got a lot of Saints fans here. Some of us are just getting healed from that NFC Championship game. So, and, you know, so we'll talk about living free and getting healed in a little bit. So we might need to pray about it. So everybody knows who Drew Brees is. Everybody here knows who the President of the United States is, right? Whether you like him or not or whatever, that, that we're not talking about that. These two men, we know everybody in this room knows who those two men are, right? We can see, we watch them. We hear them speak. We see what they're doing, right? I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody in this building know, knows the president or Drew Brees personally. I could be wrong. If, you, if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, you can raise your hand and I want to talk to you after. I want to go meet Drew Brees if you know him. So, But none of us, right? Nobody. We don't know these guys personally. So that tells us what? We can see God. We can hear God. We can see God moving. We can hear about God. We can be taught about God, right? But that doesn't mean that we know him personally. It doesn't mean we know him personally. The scripture makes it plain. Paul was praying. He said that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know, that word revelation is that God would be revealed to us in a greater way. And more importantly, God would be revealed to us for who he really is. I was worshiping this morning to a song, and it, it talks about that, singing, show me who, you know, reveal to me the wonders of who you really are. When we say no, God, we mean not just intellectually, not to know, uh, you know, just to have knowledge of the Bible or know about God, but to know him personally. We will talk about what it means to know God in a little bit. So let's look at the second part of, of the vision. Remember, I'm just going to give you an overview here. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The message translation says that the eyes of your heart would be focused and clear. This is where we get the second part of the vision, to live free. We see here that he's not talking about the eyes in your head. He said the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Did you know that your heart has eyes? You know, a more accurate translation is in the Amplified Bible when it says this, the very center and core of your being. Whenever the Jews would write, Jewish uh, historians and the writers of the Bible, like the Apostle Paul and even in the Old Testament, when they would talk about the human heart, they were talking about your inner cure, not, not core of your body, not just your, your physical heart, right? Really, some people, it's also be an accurate translation to say your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. This is what he's talking about here, that those would be focused and clear. See, the Lord wants to set us free from the things that have clouded our hearts for so many years. We will talk about how to do that in a minute. But let's see, let's look at what God wants us to see clearly and be focused on. He said that your heart's eyes would be focused and clear. Focused and clear on what? Ephesians 1.18 tells us, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. You see how these are all building on each other? So you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. The Lord has called you to do something specific and he wants you to know exactly what it is. You know, in my I've been in ministry over 13 years full time. I served under two youth pastors even before I came on staff here. And, and it never fails. I always talk to people and pray with people. And they, they man, I want to know God's will. I want to know God's will. I want to know God, what, what he wants me to do in my life. Do you know that God, he wants you to know even more than you want to know? 
exactly what he's created you to do. And we'll talk about that next week. God created you to do something. Even before he created you, he had a plan and a destiny for what you would do for, for, for your life. And so we see this here. This is, we, this is find your purpose. The third part of our vision is to find your purpose. Now let's look at where we get the fourth and final part of our vision. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19 says, Grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. Listen, guys, the most glorious life any Christian can live is one that makes a difference in the lives of others. This is the fourth and final part of the vision, and that is that the Lord wants you to make a difference, make an eternal difference on this earth. And we'll look at that again as well next week. So while I'm talking about making a difference, let's talk about what our senior pastor is doing right now in Nepal. Tanya told my wife and I last night, uh, you know, his, his, as I prayed earlier, his primary thing that he's doing is that he is um, going, he's three different conferences, right? They're going to, to four different conferences. That makes me tired just thinking about it. Four different conferences he's traveling to. And they're, they not only flew all the way to Kathmandu, Nepal, he jumped on a plane the very next day and they're traveling by plane and even by vehicle, all kind of different places in Nepal. They're training leaders and they're training pastors at these four different conferences. But of course, as they have these meetings, there are people in there that are wanting prayer and, 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 uh, they're praying for people. They, they, they prayed for this one lady that was almost completely blind. And after they prayed for her, the next day she said she saw like a bright light. The following day, she needed total assistance to get around. The following day, two days after they laid hands on her and prayed for her, she got up and went to the bathroom by herself. Isn't that awesome? And then a blessing. See, our pastor, Pastor Terry from Family Life Sugarland, Pastor Joe's from India, they're in Nepal making a difference. They also had two young girls that they, they were wrapping up one of the, the conferences or sessions, and two young girls just walked over to the place where they were and just asked them, how can we be saved? Isn't that awesome? That's the stuff you read about in the early church. So right now, our pastors in Nepal making a difference. Isn't it exciting to hear about that? You know, and so we want to make a difference, of course, in our own families, in our community, at our work, you know, in our church. You know, I'm excited. My wife and I have the privilege of, of taking a team of 24 people down to Cuba in July. We're looking forward to it. We, we haven't gone on a mission trip since we've been youth pastors. It's been over five years, and we're excited about it. Why? We want to go make a difference in Cuba. Amen? Y'all following me? So we'll talk about that more next week. But I want to, I just wanted to give you a report on how Pastor Todd's doing. Again, continue to pray for him. As Tanya was telling us last night, he's, you know, he's, they're running wide open and they're traveling a lot. Sometimes hours, they're not only flying to different places, they're traveling hours on these little narrow roads up into these churches. And she said some of the roads are lined with crosses where people have gotten accidents or fell off the side of the mountain. So as he said last Sunday, he covets your prayer. So continue to pray for him. I know she does as well, right? You know, she wants her hubby to come home safely, right? And so we do too. We want our, our pastor. He's my spiritual father. We want him because I can't wait to hear. I'm just giving you tidbits. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say when he gets back here, right? And, and the report and everything that, that he's doing. So now that I've given you an overview of the vision, I want to look at the first two parts of this in more detail for the, 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 the next few minutes that we have together. What does it mean to know God? As I said earlier, it means you have a personal relationship with him. Ephesians 1.17 says, knowing him personally. He prays that for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him. Know him personally. Question for you. Let's do a little self-evaluation. Do you have a personal relationship 
with God. This is knowing and experiencing him in a personal way. Well, you may say, well, Brandon, what, what does it mean to experience God? Well, here's a couple of examples. Are you becoming more Christ-like? The word Christian means to be Christ-like. So if we have a personal relationship with Jesus, every day are we becoming more like him, more as we see, as we read about Jesus in the scriptures. Uh, Galatians calls it producing spiritual fruit. In our vernacular, it would be, is your character changing for the better? Is your, is your character, the way you act, the way you speak, uh, the, the, do you have a heart to serve, to help others, to, to reach out, to go on missions, or just to walk across the street, to go love on your neighbors or offer help? Are you becoming more Christ-like? Do you sense God speaking to you? That's another big one. If, if you're in a relationship with anybody, you're going to speak to that person, right? You're going to speak. I mean, anybody, right? I mean, I, I know nowadays you might text them, but really in deep relationships, it's still good to speak to them, you know? And, and any relationship. So God desires to speak to us. He desires to speak to us through his word, by his spirit. It, do you sense God speaking to you? And are you experiencing his presence in your life. Just as this morning we had an awesome worship service at the first service as well. I always find that it's amazing that you can have a group of people in the same room experience two different things. One person will say, man, this, the presence of God was strong in here this morning. And the other person will be like, man, I didn't sense nothing at all. Not always, but a lot of times that's an indication because one person's in relationship and another person's not. Right? You know, again, I, I can't, I can't sense Drew Brees' emotion by just watching him on TV or following him on Twitter, right? If I was in a relationship with Drew Brees, he seems like he's a good guy. I'm sure he'd be a loving guy and all that stuff, but I, I can't see that just from a distance, just from hearing or reading about him. I'd have to be in relationship with him. It's the same thing with God. When we say, and Paul says, I pray that you would know him personally, this is what we're talking about. These things and more don't come from an intellectual knowledge of God. It's not just knowing here. It's truly knowing what's your heart. And again, that's why it builds. The next thing he says is that your heart would be clear and focused. Look what Jesus said in John 10, 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, and have a deep personal relationship with me. All through the scriptures, whether it be in the Old Testament where God was talking to Moses and the children of Israel, to Joshua, to uh, he tells Joshua, I've been reading through Deuteronomy again, I will personally go with you. God has always been a personal God. Only a couple people got that. Let me say it again. God has always been a personal God. From the very beginning, his desire with Adam and Eve was to be in a personal, close intimate relationship with us, and it will always be that way. That's his desire. We see it from New Testament to Jesus right here to the Apostle Paul saying, hey guys, God wants you to know him in a personal way, and you can. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, Brandon, I, have, I, I am in a relationship with God. Jesus just said a deep relationship. How deep is your relationship with the Lord? You know, my wife Cassie was here at the first service, and I was thinking when I was preparing Friday that the longer I'm married to my wife, the deeper our relationship gets. The more I know her, the more I love her, the more I have a desire to serve her. 
You know, I officiated a wedding last night and you got these two young people that are googly eyed with rose colored glasses on and I love you. I do. I'm a, you know, and it, and it's special. You know, my wife and I were married 15 years ago and it's, it was a special, it was a blessing. Actually, the, the bride was my godchild and, and the young man had been in our youth ministry and college ministry for years. And so I watched them both grow up and you just looking at them, it's like, man, you know, I know they're in love, but as marriage goes on, as any relationship goes on and gets deeper, you should see a few things. Like your love, the, the, the desire to want to, to know and most importantly to serve them. I talked to the young people last night about love is a choice and you're going to want to serve one another. It's the same way if we know God personally. To know God means to have a genuine love and passion for him. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. You can tell by the words of Jesus, this is more than just saying I love God or, or, or church attendance, right? It's great you're at church. We want you to come to church. It's, it's important. It's part of, we'll talk about that in a little bit, to be connected in relationships. You need to do that. But loving God with all your heart, mind, and your strength, with all your soul, that's a deep personal relationship. So it's a genuine love, but then also passion. Look at Luke. 1249, Jesus said this, I have come to set the earth on fire and how I long for every heart to be already ablaze with the fiery passion for God. With this fiery passion for God, Jesus is saying, man, I I just, I want everybody on this earth to come into a, a saving personal relationship and be passionately in love with my father as I am. I love the, 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 um, story in the gospels where Jesus comes in and he, he turns over the tables of the money changers. And it, the Bible says that the disciples remembered the scripture that says, uh, passion for God's house has consumed me. He was so passionate about the father and the father's, uh, kingdom that he, he, it, it consumed everything he, he does. What level of relationship are you with the Lord? Is it a passionate relationship that is genuine? Also, to know God means you're willing to follow him and become a disciple, which, by the way, are two different things. Look at Matthew 9, 9. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. You know, I've done a study on this, and, and you know, sometimes we use these two words interchangeably. And you might say, oh, Brandon, that's just because you're reading it out the New Living Translation. But no, I did a study. It should still be on our website or app. I've preached it on a Sunday morning before. Being a disciple and being a follower are two different things. We all start with being a follower. That's where it starts. You got to make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But then you must move from being a follower to being a disciple. And the Bible in the Gospels makes it clear there was Jesus' followers and then though there was his disciples. If you don't have a personal relationship with God this morning, in just a few minutes, I will help you to start that relationship today. So the second part, that's, that's what we mean when we say no God. And by the way, today's the fifth Sunday, so we don't have our next steps class. The reason we, we're, we're passionate about the vision and we have it written places and we're speaking on it. We did a vision series back in September. I don't know if you remember in the fall and, and we're doing it again. It's, it's to help you. It's a strategic process. We're trying to help you to grow in your faith and your relationship. So if you haven't been through our next steps class, next Sunday, they're going to start again, class one, and they go four consecutive classes every month after both services, after the nine and 11 o'clock service in the A2 building, the next steps room. If you walk out here to the front parking lot, you see it on the left. And we do this so we continue to help you to understand that God wants you to know him in a personal way. And then number two, he doesn't want you to just stop there, but he wants you to get free 
and to live free. So how do you do that? How do you get free and live free? Ephesians 1.18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Remember, when the Bible mentions the heart, it really means the very center and core of your being. See, church, the eyes of our heart need to be clear from the smudge of the past. It could be from sin, hurts, disappointments, etc. Whatever it is, God wants us to be set free and continue to live free. So how do you do that? First, you must believe that the Lord can and will set you free. Some people feel stuck. I talked to a young man right after the first service, came up to me, we were talking, and he said, man, I'm just not right. I feel stuck. I have all kind of things going on. I said, well, just as I talked about, you know, you need to connect. I told him I'd be willing to, to help him walk through and unload some of this stuff. But you know what? You got to believe God can and will set you free. Look what Jesus said in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. Did you see that? He didn't say might. He said they will be set free. You see that? Are y'all following me? Y'all still awake out there this morning? John 8, 36, Jesus also said, so if the son sets you free, you are truly free. His desire from the beginning is always to free us. Look at, look at the children of Israel. They were in slavery. They were in bondage. That was a picture. I talked about this Wednesday night. Everything we see in the Old Testament, the apostle Paul says it's a type or a shadow of, of what we do here spiritually as New Testament believers. So the, the children of Israel were in slavery. They were in bondage to Egypt and the Lord sent Moses to deliver them, to set them free. And he wanted them to stay free. Then he sends Jesus. Jesus says he comes. He was reading a scripture from Isaiah, prophesies that I've come to heal the brokenhearted, preach the good news so people get saved and uh, to the blind can see and the oppressed can go free. God's desire was always for us to be set free and to live free. So one, you got to believe that he can and will set you free from hurts, habits, hangups, addictions, trauma. There's things that we need to get free and healed from that none of it was our fault. Maybe something happened to us in the past, maybe as a child or even as an adult. Maybe somebody hurt you tremendously and it, you didn't have anything to do. It was beyond your control. There's other things that also we've made bad choices, poor choices that have caused pain and hurt and bondage in our own life. But the Lord can set you free and heal you no matter what they are. Like mine. I know if you've been here in money a time, you've probably heard my testimony two dozen times. But I just want to share it quickly again. You know, when, when I, about 14 years old, I started smoking weed in high school and just started experimenting with drugs, just partying throughout school and what, drinking and, and whatnot. And then when I was 19 years old, my dad died tragically. He committed suicide. And so from 19 to when I was 24 years old, my, my drug and alcohol use went from recreational, so to speak, into a deeper addiction that I was trying to heal and mask the pain in my life. And, and, and it just continued to increase, get worse. I became depressed. I had feelings of loneliness and uh, just didn't know how I was going to shake free from this. Thank God my mom had become a Christian right about when I was a freshman in high school and began to love on me. She showed me the love of Christ, told me about the gospel. And on a Wednesday night, July 10th, 2002, I walked down this very aisle right here to the spot uh, at, this, at, at this stage. And I gave my life to Christ. Supernaturally, I knew something happened in me and God began to set me free. 
I know he can and will. Some of you may have a similar story. Maybe it's not drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's some other addiction or just some other hurt. Maybe you've, you've been traumatized through some, uh, some horrific acts or accident or, or, or disease or something, something that's been plaguing you for a long time that you still carry in today. The Lord wants to set you free. You gotta believe that he can and that he will. Second, you have to understand that the Lord sets people free with his power, but keeps people free through his people. Look at James 5.16. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Isn't that amazing? You know, he says, confess your sins to one another, not for forgiveness. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness. He said, we confess to one another so we may be healed. And if you put this in the context of not just sin, but anything that would keep us bound that we need to get free from, when you confess, or that word is like talk to somebody, process with through somebody that, that you're hurting, that you're addicted, that you're, you're needing to get free from something, people will help you. God will use people to help you get free and healed from whatever's holding you back. Let's say you're struggling with a certain sin or an addiction, and you begin to talk through and pray about those issues with others, the Lord brings healing and freedom through that. Or maybe, again, a hurt that you've been carrying, a broken heart for many, many years. The Lord wants to use people to help you. You know, not only did uh, the Apostle Paul, or I'm sorry, James say this in his writings, we see Jesus gives us a good a picture of this also in the Gospels when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Just as he raised Lazarus from the dead physically, we were spiritually dead in our sins And Jesus gave us new life in Christ when we become born again. If you're a born again believer, we were all dead in our sins. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. So he raised us to new life spiritually. So just as he did Lazarus physically, he does that to us spiritually. So with that in mind, let's read this verse in John 11, 43 and 44. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Just as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and he told them to set the people free or set Lazarus free, he does the same for us. He did that physically with Lazarus. Y'all following me? You see that? He does it for us. He does. He raises us up. Like when I walk down that aisle, I know something happened. Something supernaturally happened in this spot of this auditorium in that moment. I knew there was a shift. I knew something came alive in me. It was my spirit. I had been dead, for spiritually dead for all those years. But at 24 years old, I came alive. Something supernaturally happened. Jesus raised me up supernaturally. But I needed help to walk this thing out. And it's, I knew, people told me I knew I needed deep relationships with people as well to help me to stay free. And so what I did I found out this this uh, college and career age life group was was meeting and they started inviting me to come even before I, I gave my life to Christ because one of the girls in there was close friends with my mom and been reading out, reaching out to me. So I'm, the next week after I gave my life uh, to Christ, I called them and I said, hey, I'm coming to this group. And the reason why is because they helped me. I built deep relationships. I had to stop hanging out the people I was drinking and drugging with and make new friends. And I can remember one day somebody knocked on my door and I was in my apartment by myself. And when I cracked the door, but it was one of my friends and he had two of my favorite drugs in his hand he said, man, what you need? I got you. Whatever you need, man. And I, I was like, man, I don't do, I didn't even let him in. I just cracked the door. I was like, man, I don't do that anymore. I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, oh man, you, you know, he kind of said something. You ain't worth nothing. He's like, all right, I'll see you later. And he left. 
But when I went to life group that the following week, I told one of the guys there uh, in the group what happened. And he just encouraged me. He said, man, you did the right thing. You don't need that anymore. Hey, you got Christ now, man. The Lord's helping you. And he, what did he do? He continued to help me stay free. Both him and that life group. Amen. That's what, that's the importance of relationships. So just as I jumped in a life group over 16 years ago, I want to encourage you. That's why we have life groups today. Guys, we know everybody's busy. We're not trying to get you to do more stuff just for, for doing it, just for, just to come out to church for no reason. We strategically have life groups that if you don't have a deep relationship, we want you to build those relationships. And, and so check out the kiosk in the lobby. Go on our church app or our website. Look at the list of life groups that we have. Hopefully you might already have a, a core, maybe one or two people that you can really help that can help you and walk with you through these times of life to help you to get free. I heard somebody say, none of us is as free as we, we ought to be or that we want to be, right? I, even though it's not drugs and alcohol anymore, there's still things. When that guy came, he said, man, I got a lot of issues in your life. I put my hand on the shoulder. I said, me and you both, brother. I still got issues in my life, right? We all do, right? People think, oh, man, I can't go to church. Those people are perfect. No, that's why we're here because we all busted up and we need help, right? It's not because we're perfect. We don't have it all together. We need help. That's a, I stumbled in these doors over 16 years ago because I was broken and busted and, you know, and it was just tired of, tired of living life the way I was. And I'm, the Lord continues to do that. So that's why we have life groups. We also have a powerful ministry you may be familiar with. It's called Celebrate Recovery. Every Friday night at 7 o'clock in the upstairs J building, it's the metal building back here uh, in the back parking lot. Uh, we have Celebrate Recovery, and, 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 and their vision is for people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And really, that can encompass all of us, like Pastor Todd says, right? We all have something. And listen, the ministry team was here at the first service, and they do a phenomenal job. It's, it's very similar to a service. They have worship, they have a short word, but then they break up into life groups. And we hear all kind of great stories of how people are getting set free, and the Lord's helping them to stay free through Celebrate Recovery. You know, and again... I was reminded of this, even in a short interaction with someone just a few weeks ago, I was teaching the Next Steps class, as I mentioned earlier. By the way, I forgot again, I meant to say this at the beginning. Today is the fifth Sunday, so we also have our children with us. Our elementary age children are with us. So why don't we give them a hand and welcome them at the end of the service. <laughs> My wife reminded me that uh, our children are with us uh, again today, fifth Sunday. Forgot about that. But listen, our Next Steps class, as I talked about earlier, I was teaching it the other day. And um, there's a part in, in class, too, that I teach where we, we help people to uh, lead people to Christ, to share, you know, the gospel with them. And one of the parts we say is like, hey, you have to build a personal relationship and then share your personal story. So just as I've, I did just a few minutes ago, I begin to share my story of that when I was, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, depressed. I had a lot of issues, lost my dad tragically. And at 24 years old, I was sick and tired of living the life I lived. And as I said that... There was a, a, a girl, and she, she gave me permission to share the story. I'm not going to say her name, but there was a girl sitting in that class, and she just began to start crying. And she just, I mean, she's crying, Pastor Dixie, then we get her some tissue and whatnot. And so, of course, after the class was over, I, I said, hey, you mind if I talk to you for a minute? I said, hey, what's going on? I could tell, you know, I, I, I hit home with you. And she said, man, I'm 24 years old, and I'm going through almost the exact same thing you're talking about. I'm just tired of living the life that I'm living. And I just began to talk to her and, and pray with her and encourage her. And right before we left, she told me something. She said, thank you for sharing that. She said, your story gives me hope. That's what... That's why you've probably heard my testimony two dozen times, if not more. 
But you know what? Just right there, I didn't even know this girl, but just even Sharon and that, we, we, we became friends that day. And she's getting connected. She came to the, the, um, the ladies conference and, and she's getting, she met my wife and Tanya. I saw Tanya praying with her last week and she's coming to the Cuba mission trip with us. She's, she's building relationships because she's already on her way to freedom, but she understands that getting connected is going to help her to stay free. Amen. So as we close today, let me ask the question again, as we focus on these two, as we wrap it up. Do you know God personally? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Ephesians 1.17 in the Amplified, it says, For we know the Father through the Son. The only way to know God the Father is through his Son, Jesus Christ. As I said earlier, the things we need to get free from may be hurts, wounds, Mainly, or not mainly, but a big part of that is sin. The Bible says, listen, all of us have sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. And that the wages of sin is death. So in, in our terms, we have a debt. You know, like it's tax season right now. Our tax season's wrapping up, right? We, we have a sin debt that we couldn't pay. Some of y'all out here might have a debt to the IRS, right? You got some taxes that you owe, right? And, and you have, you have, you owe that money by what is it still April 15th? Is that like the tax, you know, deadline day? Wouldn't it be cool if you owed a big amount to the IRS and somebody walked in after service or walked up to you and said, Hey man, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay the IRS for you. How many of y'all would love that? Right? Wouldn't that be great? I had a couple earlier. I was like, man, yes, I would. You know, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. We had a debt that we couldn't pay. We had a sin debt that there's no way we could pay, but Jesus came down. Jesus, the son, God, the son came down, died on the cross for us, and he paid the debt for us. He took our penalty and our punishment so we can be free from the sin debt, so we can know God personally and begin to live free. And eventually, so we can find our purpose and we can begin to make a difference in our life. So today, I ask the question again, do you know God personally? I want you to do me a favor and stand up with me as we conclude. And as you stand, if you don't mind, no, not walking around, not really, not talking, but do me a favor, actually, and close your eyes, bow your head with me. And as I, as we do self-evaluation on both of these, knowing God and living free, it starts with knowing God personally. You know, my mom used to ask me before I knew the Lord personally, she'd say, Brandon, if you died tonight, where would you go? Where do you think you would spend eternity? Because the Bible makes it clear it was heaven or hell. And I used to tell my mom, you know, mom, I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm going. And she said, if you don't know, that means you're going to the wrong place. There's 100% truth in that statement. So do me a favor. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Brandon, I don't have a personal relationship with God. I don't know him in a deep, personal, intimate way. And or you would say, Brandon, if, if today was my last day on this earth, if I died tonight, I don't know where I would spend my eternity, but I want to know. The good news is the Bible says if you confess your sin, repent of your sin, really, turn away from it, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So if you say, Brandon, I need to get saved today. I need to get right with God. I don't know God personally. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and we're going to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to have you come down here. I see hands going up all over. Hands in the back, ma'am. I see your hand back here. Anybody else? Before we pray, anybody else say, Brandon, I need to get right with God. I want to know him personally. I see your hand over here. Thank you, Lord. All right. We have hands in almost every section of the auditorium that have gone up. Let's pray. We're going to pray together. Even, even as the, the, the believers that, that know the Lord, we're going to pray with and, and, and pray with them a prayer of faith. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. I received the free gift of salvation. Thank you for paying the debt 
of my sin. I ask that you would forgive me for every one of my sins that I have committed. Give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. Help me, Holy Spirit, to have an intimate, deep relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Why don't we give these a round of applause that just made that decision. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, if you made that decision for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you, and it says, I made a decision. Take about one minute, fill out that card on your way out. You can drop it off at the info center in the lobby. We have a Bible for you. We have some, some tools to help you get started if you need. And before we leave, everybody else, do me a favor. Bow your head one more time, and I want to ask you the second part of the question. Are you totally free? Do you need to get free? Do you need to get healed from some broken heart, from some, some tragedy that you've been through? Maybe somebody's hurt you or betrayed you. Maybe you have some, some addiction, some bondage that's holding you back. I want to pray for you, and I want to encourage you to get into deep relationships. We make opportunities through life groups, through Celebrate Recovery for you to do that. But I want to pray over you. Father, I pray for all of these. I thank you for those that just gave their life to you. And for these that need freedom, you may want to lift your hands if you say, Brandon, that's me. Lord, I pray for those that need greater levels of freedom, healing, and hope in their life. Lord, I pray that you would touch them, do a great and miraculous work in them. And I pray you'd bless everyone else as they go today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Y'all have a wonderful day. Need prayer for anything. We'll be up here to pray with you.